You know those real irritating TV commercials that says, wait, there's more. Well, that's how I feel this morning. Wait, there's more. <laughs> we are going to talk about something this morning that hits close to home wherever we are in our station in life because it's about what we give to God. It must cost us something. We don't give garbage or leftovers to our Lord. If you would turn to 1 Chronicles chapter 21, this same very same passage and uh, story is also found in 2 Samuel. You might want to read it there, I believe 24. 2 Samuel chapter 24. You might want to read it there and compare the, uh, compare the, um, the versions of it. But in this particular story, we're going to read it out of 1 Chronicles 21. Starting in verse 1. Then verse 7, and Satan stood up against Israel and provoked David to number Israel, or to take a, sentence, a census to count the people. And verse 7, and God was displeased with this thing, therefore he smote Israel. So first we have to establish a few facts about this story. Obviously, we can't say that it's a sin to count the number of people because God himself specifically told Moses in the book of Exodus to count the people, number the people in Israel. God even specified that everyone from 20 years and up should be counted in the census and that they must pay a ransom for their soul. That's exactly how it's written in the scripture in Exodus. Pay a ransom for their soul as an offering unto the Lord. But in our story today, David had ulterior motives for numbering the people. God wanted it to be a spiritual thing that he instigated, not a prideful, selfish motive like David had. Not only that, God used the priests to number Israel when he did it in Exodus 20, or when he commanded uh, Moses to do it, but David chose his top military man to do a military operation to number the people. The fact that God made it a spiritual affair rather than a military operation and that he tied a ransom for their soul offering to it was a type and a shadow of a cleansing and a redemption looking forward to the coming of Jesus Christ and the cross that he would bear. God's requirement in, the census, in that census included a tax, which a portion of was to be given to the tabernacle for the support of the sanctuary and the priests at the time of the census. 
In this way, God provided both for the physical needs of the sanctuary, but more importantly, the spiritual needs of the people. So David completely left God out of the picture when he chose his military operation to do the number, numbering so that he could boast and be proud of the number of people in his command. And this is why God was angry at David. Even Joab, David's chosen military operations man, who was not a spiritual man, knew that this was wrong. And he tried to talk David out of this and saying, don't do this, God, will, God has given you so much. He'll add to the kingdom as he chooses. You don't need to do this. And besides, David, all these people are under your subjectivity anyway. Why do you need to number the people? But David persisted, and Joab was, after all, subject to carrying out the king's command. This process of numbering Israel took almost 10 full months. It was nine months and 20 days to get the job done. And the final report that was given to David was that Israel had 900,000 mighty men who drew the sword and Judah had 500,000 who drew the sword. In other words, army eligible men. So now we know, looking at these two numberings that took place, that we can do something that's right, but do it totally wrong. And it makes a difference because it becomes sin when we do it in and of ourselves and for our own selfish gain. But if you read down to verse 10, David was immediately sorrowful that he had done this. He knew he had sinned. He knew he did wrong, and he took full responsibility for his actions. Verse 10 says that David's heart smote him, and he said unto the Lord, I have sinned exceedingly in what I have done. And now, Lord, take away this trespass of thy servant, for I have done foolishly. And God responded, but this time he needed to show David that his actions would cost him something, and not only himself, but the lives of others as well. The Holy Spirit moved upon David's prophet, the seer named Gad, and the Lord instructed Gad to offer David three forms of punishment that David must choose from, pick his own poison, so to speak. Behind door number one, seven years of famine in the land. Behind door number two, David would be a fugitive for a period of three months while his enemies chased him for his life. And door number three, there would be a pestilence in the land. David said that he would rather fall into the hands of a merciful God than in the hands of men. So he chose door number three 
the pestilence. Verse 15 tells us that the Lord sent a pestilence in Israel from the morning unto the end of the appointed time of three days. And there died of the people between Dan and Beersheba 70,000 men. And God stayed the hand of the angel and said, it is enough. 70,000 men had died. And David said unto the angel who smote the people, Lo, it is I only who have sinned and has done this wickedness. But these sheep, what have they done? Let I pray thee, thine hand be on me and on my father's house. David couldn't bear the sight of others having to pay the cost for his own sin against God. And here's the message for today. Gad the prophet said to David, Go up and build an altar unto the Lord in the threshing floor of Aruna, the Jebusite. And the scripture says that David did according to the word of the Lord. And when Aruna saw the king and his men coming towards him, he bowed on his face before them and inquired, why are you here? And David said, to buy your threshing floor so that I can make an altar unto the Lord so that the plague may cease from the people. But Aruna said to the king, no, just take it. You're the king, you can have it all. You can have the oxen for the sacrifice and all the wood to build the altar. You can have everything. The Bible says that Aruna, the king's friend, gave it all to David, the king. But verse 24, David replied and said to Aruna, Not so, but I will buy it of thee at full price. The scripture in 2 Samuel says, At full price, and will not offer sacrifice unto the Lord my God, which doesn't cost me something. So David bought the threshing floor and all that was needed for 50 shekels of silver. And there David built an altar unto the Lord and he burnt the sacrifices and the peace offerings. And so the Lord was entreated from the land or satisfied and the plague was stayed from Israel. We have to ask ourselves a question this morning. What is it that we offer to God? Is it our leftovers? If you come to my house on a Wednesday or Thursday to eat, you're gonna eat leftovers because on Monday and Tuesday probably, Maybe all on Monday, it depends. I cook for several meals at a time. I cook several meals for several meals because I don't want to do it every single day. So I cook ahead. You might eat leftovers if you come to my house, but that's not good enough to give to God. What can we offer him? He has everything. He can create and produce all the goods and services he wants, all the people he chooses, we do know that the Bible says he wants a contrite spirit, a repentant heart, 
We pay our tithe. That counts as something. It costs us something. Malachi told Israel that they were cursed with a curse because they robbed God by not paying their tithe. But the reason God wanted them to pay their tithe was so he could bless them, his covenant people. We could offer our time. Surely that costs us something, something dear to our hearts, to spend our time in service to others or spend our time on our knees before the Lord, alone with him. But oh, the reward is so great for that. We can offer our talent. After all, he's the giver of all good gifts, all talent. It comes from him. And sharing those gifts with others certainly costs us something. We can share our testimony. People need to know how God loves them and how he loves us and what he's done for us so they can know what he can do for them. But it costs us something to share something of ourselves. And finally, we can offer our praise. But that will surely cost us something. It will cost us some humility. It will cost us being identified as Christ worshipers and even being embarrassed to open our mouths in public or to use our bodies as a means of praise and worship to the Lord. In Psalm 47, David says, Oh, clap your hands, all ye people, and shout unto God with a voice. Because when we do this, our voice becomes the vehicle of triumph through Christ. The Bible said that God knocked the walls down of Jericho when the people shouted praise to God. In closing, Psalm 148, I'm going to read the whole chapter. If it's only 11 verses, I think, or no, I think 14 verses if you want to turn to. Psalm 148, it talks about praising the Lord. Praise ye the Lord. Praise ye the Lord from the heavens. Praise him in the heights. Praise ye him, all his angels and all of his hosts. Praise ye him, the sun, moon. Praise ye him, the stars of the light. Praise, ye, praise him, ye heavens of heavens, and ye waters that are above the heavens. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for he commanded, and they were created. He hath also established them forever and ever, and he hath made a decree which shall not pass away. Praise the Lord from the earth, ye dragons and all ye deeps, fire and hail, snow and vapor, stormy wind, fulfilling his word, mountains and all hills, fruitful trees and all cedars, beasts and cattle, creeping things and flying fowl, kings of the earth and all people, princes and all judges of the earth both young men and maidens and old men and children. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for his name alone is excellent, and his glory is above the earth and the heavens.
You might wonder, well, is it worth it to praise him exuberantly, to use my voice that others might hear, or to dance before him as the word of the Lord commands that we do? Also, you might wonder, what would be the result if I sacrificed a praise to the Lord? Verse 14, I didn't forget it, I just saved it for last. He also exalted the horn of his people and the praise of all his saints, even the children of Israel, that we may be a people near him. Praise ye the Lord. Our sacrifice of praise means that we have a place near him. We give to him and he pulls us in close to his heart. I want to take just a minute, this only took a few minutes this morning, to offer a sacrifice of praise. If anybody has an offering of praise that you want to give in any way, any way this morning, whatever that might be, I invite you to do it now. Could be a tithe, a talent, a testimony, or a praise. I encourage you to do it. Don't hold back because somebody might see you or hesitate out of fear that someone might hear you or judge you. You will not be judged here. But our sacrifice to God must cost us something. But we will be rewarded being a people near to him. My child, I have you in the palm of my hand. My fingers are wrapped around your soul, and I will not let go. You are mine, and I will hold you until the very end, says the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's an answer to prayer. I won't tell you why at this moment, but that's an answer to prayer. Let's sing this song in closing. You all know it. I exalt thee.
universe. 